Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody. We have a wonderful show for you today with Sister Jane Wakahiu from the Hilton Foundation to discuss National Catholic Sisters Week. But first, if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you'll stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And for a complete listing of all of our shows and for more information about us, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. There is so much happening in the news today. I hope you caught part of the consecration of Russia with our Pope last week. I know that many dioceses and parishes around the country prayed on that same day for an end to the war in Ukraine. It's just been heartbreaking every night. Something on the news comes up almost every single time I turn it on, whether it's an increase in inflation, the interest rates are going up, and now it's the slap that was heard around the world. But you'll be glad to know I'm not going to touch that one today. Whether it's the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, or now the economy, we're all called to have faith. But what is faith? It's a word that we throw around a lot, but what does it mean to have faith in 2022? Well, 10 years ago, our Pope Emeritus, Pope Benedict, shared some thoughts on faith that I thought would be particularly relevant for today. He said, Faith is believing in this love of God that is never lacking in the human face of wickedness, in the face of evil and death but is capable of transforming every kind of slavery, giving us the possibility of salvation. Having faith, then, is meeting this you, God, who supports me and grants me the promise of an indestructible love that not only aspires to eternity, but gives it. It means entrusting myself to God with an attitude of a child, who knows well that all his difficulties, all his problems are understood in the you of his mother. And this possibility of salvation through faith is a gift that God offers all men and women. You know, Pope Benedict's words remind us that our faith in God allows us to live without fear. It liberates and it reassures us, and it allows us to become the best versions of ourselves, because we can only be that when we're not living in fear. And so, in spite of the uncertainty of the problems that we have today, I invite you to pray for our faith for a faith that liberates our minds and our hearts and alleviates our fears so that we can follow Jesus in all that we do. Now, let's get to work. Today, my guest is Sister Jane Wakahiu, the Associate Vice President for Program Operations and Head of Catholic Sisters at the Conrad Hilton Foundation. Sister Jane is a member of the Institute of the Little Sisters of St. Francis in Kenya. She provides leadership and direction of the Hilton Foundation's Program Department Operations, Budgets, Contracts, Consultant Management, and Policy Implementation. She also contributes to the Foundation's Strategic Planning. Prior to joining the foundation, Sister Jane was the executive director of the African Sisters Education Collaborative, where she implemented many programs by working closely with leadership conferences, major superiors, religious congregations, and institutes, 23 partner colleges and universities in the United States and Africa, and major foundations. Sister Jane has taught extensively at the undergraduate and graduate level and has a breadth of teaching and administrative experience from leading a high school in Kenya and as a leader of 
women's organizations. She is the author and editor of two books and serves as a contributing writer for the Global Sisters Report, and her peer-reviewed articles have been published in national and international journals. Sister Jane holds a PhD in human development from Marywood University, a Master of Arts degree from St. Bonaventure University, and a Bachelor of Education from Catholic University in Eastern Africa. And today we're celebrating Catholic Sisters Week, a national celebration of Catholic sisters because they shine a light on mission and spirituality while building community together. And so, without further ado, here is Sister Jane. Welcome, Sister. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate. So glad to have you. So, Sister, when did you first begin to think that God might be calling you to discern a religious life And how did he make that call known to you? Thank you, Jim. I think when I look at that question, I would say, while I was being raised in a Catholic family where we observed religious practices and daily prayers, entering religious life was not something that I was at all expected to take. I started desiring to give my life for something bigger than myself. When I was in high school, about 14 or 15 years old, As I've said, I was raised in a Catholic family, and at an early age, my parents encouraged us to volunteer to serve in the local community. I occasionally volunteered at a home for children with disabilities to bring them to school, also bringing food, water, and cleaning homes of the elderly in our neighborhood. I particularly recall my daily interaction with children with disabilities pushing their wheelchairs for for these children to get to school. This experience somehow transformed me. I felt fortunate to be able to walk to school and I found fulfillment to see the joy experienced by these children by giving a hand to get them to school, cleaning their rooms and helping them with their homework. At that time, I didn't know, but I started feeling a desire to make a difference in other people's lives. That desire started growing in me and continue to grow in me as we did surveys, I felt fulfillment and joy. Of course, that was external. I continued to desire to live a purpose-driven life, to give my life for, to something bigger than myself, and to serve those in less fortunate situations. So after high school, at age 18, the desire was intense, a deep longing that cannot be fully grasped by words. And I made it known to my parents that my intention to enter religious life and explained that this was not only a desire, but it was clear to me that this was the path that God had destined for me. So I would say that these volunteer experiences nurtured and prayed a role in my decision to enter the Little Sisters of St. Francis in 1991. Beautiful. So your, your early experiences in service led to a life of vocation, a life of service. So so beautiful and so underscores really beautifully the importance of service for our young people as they begin to discern their own call to their vocation in life. Have you always been attracted to the idea of religious life? I would say yes. Mm-hmm. I have always been attracted to religious life in apostolic community to live a life of contemplation and service. And particularly, I like the quote in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, that speaks so much to me and continue to speak to me even now. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the Lord's year of favor. You know, 
That quote is the words of Jesus as he went out to start his ministry. And I felt it's like, you know, he, it's the spirit that led him to speak those words. And those words, that's why they have so much meaning for me. So I am happy and fulfilled in the choice I made to enter religious life. And honestly, I would still make the same decision. Well, that's the most important thing. Absolutely. And sister, kind of a follow-up question. As you have met and gotten to know your, your sisters in the community, do you find that everyone has their own entry point? Are there similarities in all of your stories and how you found your vocation? Or do you find that people find their vocation on different paths, different different roads to lead, that lead to the same place? Certainly, for the sisters I have listened, each have their own experience. Sure. And at that moment, they got the clarity of what was happening within and mm. connected them to God. And therefore, they made a decision to take the next step. But all these stories lead to a call to for people to do something bigger than, than themselves or to be able to reach out in love to others. You know, I'm a candidate in the permanent diaconate formation in our diocese, and I found the same thing that many of my brother candidates, most of us have married and had kids and we're all 50 plus and kind of in the same age group. But we all found our, we, we have similarities in our stories, but but there's but each of us had a different road to get to where we are today, to this process of formation to consider in the diaconate program. So it is beautiful with the, in the ways that all roads lead, many ways, the same path. How did you discern entering the community that you chose? Did you look at more than one religious community? As mentioned earlier, my ultimate and deepest desire or longing was Mm -hmm. to give my life to serve God and his people as a Catholic sister. I did not have much knowledge of founders, charisms, or spirituality. The only knowledge I had from where I was growing up was about St. Francis, Claire, and Daniel Comboni, who had been a missionary in South Sudan and started the Komboni missionaries. So, but I had interacted with only two religious congregations, the Komboni missionary sisters and the community where I belong, the little sisters of St. Francis in Kenya, just because these two communities had visited our parish to preach for patients. Usually religious communities offer a come and see seminar that welcomes young women designing a vocation to religious life. And generally, this seminar has a variety of speakers, including married couples, youths, seminarians, and sisters, both young and old, to share their experiences in their vocation. So I traveled with three young other girls. And when I stepped in the grounds of my community, I had that time I had clarity of thought, deep inspiration and inner peace that this is the place I was meant to be. So during this three-day seminar, it was a moment of listening, not just to the speakers, but also to the working inside me of what I was feeling. Was this really bringing me the clarity of what I desired? So through that experience on how they shared, uh, they made their decisions to embrace their vocations, whether in religious life or in married life, my own inner desire was affirmed. So a profound and authentic and legitimate connection to the vocation came clear to me. It was really crystal clear in my heart. And I, ha- I felt harmony within. And when I returned home, I made it clear to my parents, I would not pursue medicine as that was my destined plan or path, but follow my vocation as a religious in religious life. Hmm. Here I am 27 years later in religious hmm. life. 
Beautiful. And and can I ask, how did your parents react to your decision to to choose the vocation? You said you had chose you chose instead of a path to medicine, you chose this this vocation. How did they take that news? My parents did not take it as easily, particularly my father. We had a real discourse. He told me that religious life was not going anywhere. First, go and complete your degree. Then we will come and embrace religious life. But deep within me, I was feeling this intense desire because I had set my mind to want to go to religious life. I remember because earlier we had had um, many other conversations about vocation. I told my father, you always have told us we are a gift to you from God. He replied, yes. And I said, if God called me home and I died today, would you have a discourse with him? He said, no. And then I looked at him and I said, dad, why are you having a discourse right now? And he's the one who is calling me. At that moment, I saw my father's face change. And he said, do what you feel is good for you. You have my blessings. And that's how I made the decision to go. Wow. That is that is powerful. Very powerful. And clearly, you didn't let having a vocation slow you down because of all the uh, incredible degrees and accomplishments you have you've achieved in your life. So you've been able to have both and, not either or, which has been, it's just, which is amazing, very impressive. What do you like most about living in religious community? And, and what are some of the, on, on the converse of that, what are some of the tougher challenges of living in religious community life? You know, community life is a gift. It is a, a space to grow and practice charity love, compassion, care for one another, and fraternal companionship. Community life involves a relationship with other disciples of Jesus, the members of our religious community. We hold on to our belief that it is God who called each one of us to be together, and we responded. We believe that God continues to work in us, calling us to conversion, or leading us to inner conversion each day, and working in us and through us. I am really aware that pronunciation of our vows to follow God, God's call is not a destination, but a journey of inner and continuing transformation and formation. But I find God accompanying us just like Jesus accompanied the disciples on their way to Emmaus. I have found the true meaning of fraternity, compassion, and companionship, which is lived and experienced in our religious community. You know, I find this verse very meaningful to me, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, and it explains the values of life in the community. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And these are important virtues and values to have in the community because members enter religious life from varied backgrounds, varied experiences, nationalities, and ethnicities. It calls for grace to live in harmony with self and others. It is not always easy to deal with different personalities and people of varied cultures, attitudes, and sometimes there is misunderstandings. But discernment, prayer, dialogue, forgiveness, humility, and love, and awareness of our personal perceptions leads to letting go of judgments and building strong bonds and relationships. And above all, the grace of God accompanies and sustains us on the journey of faith. So as much as it's not easy to live with members of other different backgrounds, so we are in this journey together, working to shape each other and accompanying each other. 
So sometimes it's a challenge and sometimes it's an opportunity for growing to shape each other. And also I'm shaped through those experiences of my sisters. And I'm sure you're all better for the experience. So that's that's beautifully, beautifully said. Do you find, because you've been in, in leadership for so long now, do you find that there are some aspects of religious life that are misunderstood by either those who are considering it or just by the general public? Oh, certainly. So people have asked me often about the vows of poverty, justice, and obedience, and they perceive these vows as a burden to me. And honestly, I find joy and purpose. It frees me to greater service to God and his people. I also find many people don't differentiate a nun and Catholic system. While both of these take the solemn vows of poverty, justice, and obedience, there is a difference in their way of life. So a Catholic nun is a, uh, is a woman who lives uh, as a contemplative life in a monastery, which is usually cloistered or enclosed, or semi-crustied. Her ministry and prayer life is centered within and around the monastery for the good of the world. While a Catholic sister is a woman who lives and ministers and prays within the world, a sister's life is often called active or apostolic because she is engaged in the works of mercy and other ministries that take the gospel to others where they are. Some others talk about the ownership of, of, of property when you talk about poverty, and they cannot understand how do you give up everything you have you know, in religious life for the good of the, the common good of the community. So, however, if you are really called, these are not things that deter you. You focus on, on the greater goal, the common good, living in solidarity and doing good for the world. And you find that you find fulfillment in this. Of course, prayer is the center of our life. Have you found that the, the role of Catholic sisters has changed or evolved over time? Yeah, historically, I would say many women religious served in education, healthcare, and social services. And those who are like, when you are entering religious life, you knew either you are going to be a, a teacher or in healthcare services or any other services related to that in a structured environment. But today, many sisters are engaged in social justice work, advocating for an end to human trafficking, poverty alleviation, care for environment, for example. Earlier on, sisters were involved in delivering services in institutions. But you will find that sisters ministering in different ways, including working you know, in advocacy work at the United Nations in legal offices. Sisters today are respond to the needs of the time where the spirit is leading them or calling us to be. Of course, it is always in line with the charism of their congregations. You can find women religious not necessarily in an institution, but in places where God is calling them to be present to those in need, providing compassionate care in prisons, shelters, halfway houses, along the U.S.-Mexico border for migrants, wanting to migrant work, teaching English, and other services along a continuum, including artists. So religious life has changed because also the needs of the time have evolved. The sisters ask themselves, what is God asking of us now? And what would Jesus do if he were here at this moment? And how would he respond? And you find the communities will sit and design and then begin providing services in particular areas. For example, when HIV AIDS uh, became sort of a pandemic, Many sisters were not working on that particular area, but then they designed and said, this is an area we need to provide services. The same with the COVID-19 situation. 
sisters have formed networks like sisters ambassadors network where they're reaching out to those who are in the marginal areas promoting vac- equitable vaccine distribution and supporting the the very poor and very those who cannot be able to access those services so the sisters live and respond to their vocation within the context of their charism according to the science of the time you you paint such a, a wide and varied picture it sounds like there's so many opportunities and ways for someone to serve in that vocation in that role and that you need so many different kinds of gifts and aptitudes among the sisters to to fill all these different roles and ministries but if if there were someone sister who was listening to this podcast and and they were considering a vocation what would you say to them how would you best advise them to discern their own vocation so i encourage any young woman who feels the desire or is called to religious life to listen to discern and to explore the call Catholic sisters have dedicated their lives to putting their faith into practice and bringing the Catholic social teachings into reality. There are many opportunities to speak to spiritual directors, vocations directors, either virtually or even take a you can start by a phone call or email. Listening to the experiences of those who have said yes may offer some insight to whether religious life is for you. Mm-hmm. This also reminds me the call of Moses, you know, and it doesn't matter where you are and what is happening and moses had a dialogue with god which is a story put in exodus chapter 6 verse 28 to 13 and god is in this episode god was sending moses to pharaoh in egypt to redeem you know because god had heard the cry of the israelites and was sending moses to deliver them but in verse 30 he speaks to me speaks to me says says since as you know moses in responded Since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? And God responds to Moses, "See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet." So Moses had perceived himself not as eloquent as his brother Aaron, but all the same, God had chosen him and provided his brother as support to him. So when God calls us to religious life, he forms us and gives us grace it is not because we are perfect but god works in us and through us he chose moses despite his stutters and aaron as the spokesperson and i can only end you know you know in uh, in opening up and receiving that call you know where saint paul explain in corinthians chapter 9 explains well that god's grace is sufficient for you for his power is made perfect in weakness So for everyone who is searching and willing to listen open your heart and take the first step discerning will help you to make it known whether is this a call you want to embrace or not Absolutely and this is you said I mean God gave uh, Moses Aaron and uh, God gives each of us community and people in, in our lives to support us in these decisions and in our vocation so it's kind of a beautiful example also of how community can strengthen one another Moses needed Aaron and Aaron certainly and the people of Israel needed Moses so beautiful Sister as we come towards the end here I, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your work at the Hilton Foundation such an amazing position you have with such a, a wide reach nationwide and I I believe around the world in the work that you do Thank you Jim so here at the Hilton Foundation I serve as the associate vice president for programs operations and also head the Catholic Sisters initiative 
The Catholic Sisters Initiative is the largest of the foundation's programs and implements four important but synergistic work streams. Mm-hmm. I collaborate with the conferences of major superiors locally in the United States and internationally to a variety of programs that increase the vitality of Catholic Sisters through providing leadership development, ongoing formation, strengthening sisters' congregations, conferences and ministries, and also developing solutions to improve the care for elderly sisters after a lifetime of service. I also work to support sisters' work of improving livelihoods and career pathways for children, youth and families, quality education, healthcare access, and anti-human trafficking work. I also work to support church partnerships and elevate sisters' voice on behalf of the underserved. In the spirit of solidarity, I collaborate with conferences of superiors such as the International Union of Superior Generals to build the capacity of sisters in theological, spiritual formation, and designing leadership for service. I work with organizations that work to promote and restore human dignity, such as the Kum, a global network of Catholic sisters working to restore the dignity of oppressed, exploited, survivors of trafficking, and people at risk leading them to healing physically, psychosocial, and spiritual wounds, and to promote access to justice. So much of my work involves creating partnerships that address uh, address and advance sisters' work locally and globally in Africa, Latin America, Europe, here in the United States, and also in Asia. So I I have opportunity to meet with many sisters, and together we design programs that are helping to advance the work that they are doing. And I'm also, I'm really grateful to the Hilton Foundation because Mr. Hilton had really Catholic sisters at heart and desire in his will and testament, he put some resources, he said that some resources of the foundation to support the work of Catholic sisters globally. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And and you've also played a role recently with the Global Solidarity Fund, haven't you? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, I am a board member for the Global Solidarity Fund. Mm-hmm. And also the Global Solidarity Fund is part mm-hmm. of our grantees. And they mm-hmm. are doing important work in partnering with Catholic sisters, but also partnering with the church to advance the mission of the church. And in particular, supporting the call of Pope Francis about the environment, climate change, about the migrants, supporting migrants and people who are living in an underserved situation, particularly providing jobs, jobs mm-hmm. for the youth in order to bring them to self-sustaining work and respect of work. So I'm a member, uh, our foundation is a member of the Global Solidarity Fund, a fund that is doing very important work globally. Beautiful. Well, sister, this has been just wonderful. Can you tell our listeners uh, how they can find you for more information? Sure. I am uh, Sister Genua Cahio, a member of the Little Sisters of St. Francis, and I can be reached at jane at hiltonfoundation.org or 818-540-0495. Thank you. Uh, uh, Sister, it's been a pleasure to have you here and so appropriate to celebrate National Catholic Sisters Week. Thank you for all you do on behalf of your vocation and the sisters, as well as through the Hilton Foundation, the the important work that you do around the world. It's so great to, to be with you today. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. God bless. God bless. I want to thank Sister Jane for being on our show today. It was such an inspirational conversation for me. So inspiring to know what you do, not only around the country, but all over the world to impact sisters in your congregation. So thank you so much, sister. Thank you for your vocation, and thank you for celebrating National Catholic Sisters Week with us. 
Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than two decades. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you are having a good season of Lent. Let's do as St. Paul says and finish the race well. We'll see you back here in two weeks on Holy Week when we're going to talk about new technologies that can make a difference in your mission. Take care, everybody. God bless and have a great week week.